just testing the gain, so that'll change as well. You sure you're right, gonna be? You sure you're gonna be right to uh put a something on the voice so people can't recognize it? This is the Andrew Lake podcast, and today I'm speaking with Delm. Hey, man, how you doing, man? Delm, how you doing, man? What's new? Yeah, I'm not doing too. Not What's doing cracking? too bad. What's new? How about yourself? Yeah, yeah, I'm all right. Thanks so much for doing this. This is uh, this is interesting. This is quite strange to be speaking with you. Yeah, I've never done one of these before. Should be interesting. We'll see what happens. So you are a graffiti artist. Yeah. And I heard about you through Bird. Yeah, sure. And I've been following your Instagram for a while now anyway, so... I yep. spoke with Bird the other day and recorded him on the yep. podcast, and he said it would be good if I could talk to you because you have a little bit more of an insight into the graffiti world than him because he's more of a yeah artist. Yeah, I guess that's fair to say. Bird is one of my, uh, I guess he's one of my painting buddies. He's one of the older crew. He's one of the few people that I actually do paint with. So there's lots to talk about, obviously. I'm fairly acquainted with the graffiti world, and I know a lot of the terms because I've been following a lot of people on Instagram, and I've seen Style Wars, oh. and I've got magazines of graffiti. So I think we can pitch this conversation to just the graffiti world and just be free with our terms. But Yeah. Maybe we should start off by just saying, when did you start graffiti? When were you first getting into it? And what's your story? Um, okay, well, well, how far back do you want to go? How long have you got? How much time do you want to take? All day, man. Take as long as you want. There's no limit. There's no rush. Do you want my whole life story or something? Wherever you want to start, however far you want to go, the more the better, I right. say. Well... Um, well, I guess, where to, where to start, uh, well, graffiti, graffiti sort of just came along in my life at a time, I was a bit, I was sort of late to the game, I didn't really, uh, I didn't, um, start writing until I was probably in my mid-twenties or something like that. So a lot of kids start when they're f fresh out of high school or <clears throat> something like that. Um, but I had already gone to uni and done a whole bunch of other shit before I came to the graffiti world. Oh, so you went to uni? So Yeah. Yeah, and which uni did you go to? What did you study? That's pretty interesting. Uh, well, that was a long time ago. That was... That's, that's ancient shit now. That's pretty irrelevant shit to me now. I didn't really, in a sense, you could say I didn't really go to uni because I was just partying and drinking and not turning up to class and shit. So I sort of just fizzled and burnt the fucking uni shit. And that was just like uh, a bit of a bum to be kicked out or to drop out of uni. And that was that was when graffiti sort of came as an option to me for what to do with life because I was pretty bummed out and I didn't really feel like 
doing much in the way of like getting a job or doing the normal life shit. I was really trying to rebel, rebel against that. Like I was really, really not wanting to, uh, not wanting to do just normal shit, normal life. Like a lot of people do, which is just get a job and like, like it's just not something for me. But what happened was that my local, uh, a graffiti store opened up. And that was run by two local writers by the name of... One was called Juggles, and the other one was called Zeta 9 And these guys introduced me to basic graffiti shit. And I really knew jack shit about graffiti without them introducing me. And Juggles especially showed me hand styles and throwies and wild styles. And he would do drawings and... Num- names and uh different letter shapes and do like different levels of the complexities like he'd start out with a basically a public style and slowly develop it and work it to a wild style and have these in-between sections of like things that were less public style and more and more so wild maybe style. for our listeners you can just say like what what public style is because I don't know if everyone's familiar with that term and I'm not entirely sure of that term myself, what that means. So just remind me again what public style is. Yeah, yeah, that's probably a good idea. I mean, I probably don't even know what public style is either, but for me, it's like graffiti that you can read the letters in. You can actually see what it says, like what the letters are. So... With Wildstyle, you you wouldn't know how to read it unless you're a writer. So it's really graffiti for graffiti artists only, whereas Public Style is just like more like branding. It's more like sign writing where you can see, oh, that's a G, that's an A. So, yeah. Okay, so these graffiti writers opened up this shop and they were showing you the showing you the ropes sort of thing yeah so juggles and zeta nine were showing me the ropes and i had a i had a toy name that i started out with that was uh that was solace so it was a pretty embarrassing way to start out as a graffiti artist but i like the name i like the shapes i like the letters and the flows and i wrote solace for about a year and then i only did about 200 pieces with that name like two or three hundred pieces in a year, and then I moved quickly on to Only. So I like the name Only because it was still a word, it's still an actual word, but I didn't like the shapes too much. Like, I always struggled with the O. Like, O is just a shit letter, like, really. When have you ever seen someone do a fucking good O? It's quite hard. But that was something that I wrote for a while. I still fucked around with those letters, did another couple of hundred pieces. Still only wrote that name for about a year and a half or so, until I finally found Delm. So Delm is a name, it was the first real name where I felt like this could be an actual name. That could be some shit that I could do for a a fucking while. And a friend of mine came up with it and he sort of did a couple of throwies with it. But he gave it to me because I did, I started doing pieces with it and owned it pretty quick because... When I, when I get a name, I really just do pieces. And that's one of the things that 
has really characterized my career as a graffiti writer is just, it's just pieces. Like a lot of writers, like I'm not an all-rounder, like to be, to be fucking honest, I'm really weighted just in pieces. So a lot of writers do throwies and tags and bombing and a whole bunch of shit, but the, the primary shit that I'm into is pieces and it's always been that way, so I did... I did like a couple of hundred pieces a year with this name Belm, so, and I've actually recently started writing Mel's, M-E-L-S, so, I just like the shapes and I like the sound of it and I like, I like words where it doesn't really mean something and that's one of the appeals of graffiti, which yeah. is these weird yeah, words. Yeah, for sure, yeah. Yeah, I definitely like some of the funny names that people come up with. Yeah, so Delm is probably the name I'm known known most as. I don't really know how many pieces I've done. Like e- each year, I probably do somewhere between two hundred and three hundred pieces. And probably at the prime, like my prime year was like a couple of years ago. Now I would have done four hundred pieces in one year. And some of those oh, are really, like, really four hundred pieces. That's like more than one a day. Yeah, yeah. Um. It's like the, it's not really about, you know, a piece a day for me. It's like, I mean, I just do a lot of, like when you're in graffiti, you just paint a lot when you're in graffiti mode and you're a graffiti writer. Like all, all real writers are like, like three or 400 pieces a year is not really that weird. Like most writers do that. That's just standard to me. That's just normal. And it's not like you paint, con- like, consistency is different for everyone. I mean, my, my, cat- like, the way I've, the way I do, you know, like, a couple of hundred pieces a year is very much just bursting on and then, and then stopping. Like, I might, like, when I was living in Sydney, sometimes I'd go out and do, like, five pieces in one night. And the guys I was painting with at the time, they, they would do a similar sort of thing. They could easily do, you know, like, a truck a trackside, a billboard, a roadside. Like, you you go out and you do that in one night, and five pieces a night for a couple of nights, you know, you've already done 15, 20 pieces in less than a week. That's that's more than one a day, but then you, then you burn out, or at least I would fucking burn out. Some of these cunts don't burn out. But these, these are, like, different ways of, like, making more pieces than one a day it's not like you do one a day every like one on one each day it's more it's more about bursting and obsessive and i think that's just more about my personality my obsessive personality like when i get into something i just go completely rat shit crazy over it it's just obsessive and i really go for it so yeah yeah, so I do, I guess I do a lot of pieces in some eyes, some people's eyes, but that's just graffiti. So I'd like to ask you about your influences. So what were some of the graffiti writers that influenced you when you were starting out and who were you influenced by with your style? Yeah, both sure. back in the day and today? Yeah, so, well, I guess there's two ways to like look at it which is the local writers and the international writers so 
The thing that really got me into graffiti was looking at it in real life. Like, I would actually drive around and find underpasses and drains and hidden derelict places and hang out, hang out there and look at the shit on the wall. And for, for ages, I was really just an admirer of graffiti before I got into it. And I just loved noticing, like, new pieces by, by names that I recognised. And that was pretty cool to just see some shit changing and see it in real life and go to places. Because it's all about the environment. It's all about an experience. Graffiti is just putting you into a situation. So it's, it's it was important for me starting out to actually see the shit in real life. So I guess I... I can name some of the local writers that influenced me, which was like Shame, Bangs. Shame, Shame was really good because he had a different idea for every piece. Like he had a different characteristic or a different process for like a different sort of cheesy idea. Some, some of them were cheesy or whatever, but he, he, was, he was going for something different each time. And then Bangs, I liked Bangs because he was really detailed. And I haven't seen a Bangs piece in over five years. I'm pretty sure he's retired or something, but most writers wouldn't even remember Bangs on my scene at the moment. But he was just really detailed, and I loved the idea of having really thin lines and really, like, heaps of cutbacks and heaps of things like that. So Bangs influenced me in that way. And then writers like Moek. Moek really had a lot of pieces in a lot of different places, and he had a really funky letter style. The stuff he's doing now is has got less bounce to it. It's less funk to it. When I was getting into graffiti, he was doing really bubbly sort of funky letters. And then there was also Door. So Door is HBK. And a lot of those HBK guys, they're, they're up a lot. They just fucking paint so much and everywhere. It, like, red-hot spots. And, yeah, there's respect for that, of course. Like, that's that's a big influence on me. But, like, that's part of the graffiti game. That's part of the graffiti game. But Dor was an influence because he had different styles and he had different ideas and different outlines that were quite... Like, a lot of the HBK guys don't have too much variation in their styles. But, but Dor really stood out because not only he, did he paint a lot, but he painted pieces in illegal spots. And then there was also sort of more the mural sort of guys, like Attune and, uh, and Bird, when, when I was first starting out. Like, they, like I didn't know them for, for ages. For ages, I didn't even meet them. Like, none of these cunts I've met, really. Like, never met them before, so... I don't know what they're like. I'd probably... To be honest, I don't want to fucking meet them, because they're staunch cunts. But... I sort of fell in with the mural crowd, because they were older writers that were a bit more chill. Maybe we can talk about the uh, staunch nature of graffiti writers in a bit. Yeah, but... But... A tune... I liked because of style, like because of detail, and he had his own style. So those were some of the local writers that influenced me when I was starting out. Apart from just Juggles and Zeta9, who showed me how to, how to write. And how about some of the more famous graffiti artists? Oh yeah, true, yeah. Um, so Juggles and Zeta9 not only showed me 
shit, but they also sold me like DVDs and magazines. And one of the first magazines I got was uh, Clouded Thoughts, and I think it's issue nine or ten or something, and it had Dare on the front. So Dare was probably the biggest influence starting out because the funk, the style, the smoothness was just like so far beyond what I could envision at the time. Like it was so, so powerful to have that. And he was doing these down on the track sides. That's what I like. Like I've always had this thing about track sides, just painting on the sides of the train line. Um, yeah, so Dare and then Astro and all the Love Letters guys, like Does had a big influence on me and Chaz and Russell and Nash, all those guys were pretty heavy. And then Smash, I loved his style for its rhythm, for its flow, for its swirls. And, you know, I've, I've done a lot of biting on Smash over the years. And there's a few others that, you know, come to mind. It's hard to name all of them because there's so many. Like, these are some of the ones like, oh, the other one was Eyes Blue. I think it was in that same issue of Clouded Thoughts. Really have to dig it up. Like, yeah. And then these days, yeah. Well, I guess as, as I, as you get more and more into the graffiti world, you learn more names. And it's hard to tell when one influence starts and another ends. Like... Once you are right in the graffiti world, you know every name. Like, I know every every name which is local, just about every notable, famous name. Like, I can recognize their style, read their name, even if it's a wild style. So, there's too many to name, really. There's too many influences for me to say every single one of them. Can we talk a little bit about how you create your style and how it is that you come up with your ideas for pieces like do you go by a sketch or do you have a plan in place yeah yeah like sure. what do you do yeah no no there's definitely no plan like there's no way that i plan my pieces they are all they're all 100 percent freestyle they're all straight off the head and like i've probably done in my whole life probably like 20 pieces from a sketch out of hundreds but that being said I still also sketch a lot so I draw a lot and I might I might draw an idea I might draw up a sketch for an idea but then I would just go to the wall and freestyle it and my process is very much a matter of like responding to what happens so responding to the environment and putting up a sketch and then playing off that sketch and then developing that sketch and then changing it as the colors come out because you can never know like how the lighting and the colors and the color scheme that's going to happen is going to work like I've never I've never specifically chosen a color scheme I always just take like a whole bunch of cans and just play it by ear or just change it as the as the piece unfolds like I might decide to choose something choose a color like I love to use pink pink is one of my favorite colors and I might say, oh, I'm going to put this in there. But then halfway through the piece, I'll say, 
oh, it's not really working. I better not choose it. I might choose something else. And then that, that changes shit. Like, I just love experimenting with shit, you know? It's like, it's always this breathing, changing, flowing thing. It's spontaneous. It's like improvising. It's like making shit up and being organic. And some of my pieces, they're really raw. Like, they're really fast. Like, they're really... Like, I might use a fat cap for something and just blast it into drips. And, and like, that, that idea of blasting it and being, like, an impressionist, like, the impressionist painting is, I guess, where, like, obviously art, this art has influenced me as well, but, like, normal art, like, fine art, like, the art you would say is normal art, that's influenced me as well, but I can also see the connection between that and, like, softlers, softlers, softles, however you fucking pronounce it, using the, the spray can tack, the, like, the, how do I say it, it looks like a spray can made it, like, some graffiti is made to look like it's not, you can't see the cap effect, and others you can, and I'm very much about embracing the the cap effect and having it obvious that there, there's parts of it which are a graffiti, like graffiti style. And Cabe from KOC is a good example of that because he has his fat cap flare and you can see that it's done by a spray can. So that's a good example of how my style is created and it's really raw and like, I go into a lot of detail as well. Like I would, sometimes I mix colors at the wall as well. Really? And For real? Yeah. You actually mix paint in a spray can? Yeah. How is that possible? Is that even possible? Yeah, it's possible. It's a bit uh, it's a bit tricky. Like, it is fiddly and it takes time, but it is possible. So, how that works is you can... You get a special mixing cap and you sort of have to release some of the pressure on one can and then pressurize the other. So some, some guys use ice, like a bucket of ice to cool, cool the can down. I usually find that just releasing some pressure is enough and then putting the other can in the sun or something or heating it some way. So putting it in the sun usually works if it's a hot day and that pressures it through to the other can. So you can have your pressurized can and your unpressurized can and you push it through your mixing cap and that mixes the paint into the tin and the sort of pieces that I'm doing, we do like, or I do like um, progressive mixing. So all the top writers do this, like all the iron lac guys do this, which is progressive mixing where you have a color and then you spray a bit of it on the wall and then you paint and then you mix in a little bit more and then you spray some more and the color is slightly different and then you mix in a bit more and so on and so on until you're doing these little differences. So some sometimes I would do a color fade which has like 10 or 12 different shades and it's just adding a little bit each time and it's progressive and you can even fade it all the way through to a different color. So say you've got, say you've got a green, you might start mixing in a blue and that would change your green more and more towards a blue. And then you might start saying, well, now that I've changed to blue, I'll start mixing in white. 
and that will change the white to more and more light. And so you've got this huge flow of shades and it's more and more complex and you're using this with other colors and you're cutting it over and it's a process and you can get extremely detailed pieces. You can get really detailed pieces. So that's the sort of shit I'm into. That's the sort of thing that I do, which is, I mean, more and more these days, like sometimes my pieces are really rushed and raw and they're all about the energy. And then some of them are more like, these days I'm more, take my time, I'm more like, relax about it and be more detailed and take my time with it. I've been following this famous graffiti writer, Basics, and he sort of has on his Instagram posts this thing about how you have to use only a spray can. Like there's this taboo against using paper or tape or assisted materials. And there's a bit of a graffiti spray can purity or purist Yep. idea coming through. What do you think about yep. that? Yeah, well, his his technique is as far as it goes. He's as sharp as it gets and as small as it gets. So, like, I by no means compare to him, but I've never felt the need to add anything other than a spray can. Like, I've pushed cap techniques and I've used a whole range of different techniques and I've developed my skill to the point where I'm just happy with it. So I've never I've never felt the use I've never felt the need to use paper. So all my I guess in a sense I am a purist because I don't do that street art stuff, but at the same time, like Bond is another famous writer who does use all that shit and his stuff is is amazing. Like and Peter as well. Peter is probably the most hyper-modern 3D writer out there. And he does progressive mixing as well. If you want to see progressive phase with mixing, then you can look up Peter. But that's P-E-E-T-A, I think. Something like that. But he... uh, Fuck, what am I talking about? Um... Yeah, so I don't don't use that, but I I don't really frown. I mean, a lot of my painting buddies are... They're, they're more street artists. They're not really writers. And I don't really see a problem with that. I don't I don't really discriminate or have any... I just paint whatever. Like, if you just... As long as you're having a good time, you're chilling, you're creating whatever, expressing yourself, coming up with ideas. Like, it doesn't matter what you... Like, who gives a fuck? Like, just do whatever the fuck you want. Jesus. Like, yeah, like... Who cares about beef or whatever? Do you want to talk about beef? Is there someone you want to have beef with? Have you ever had beef? Or or here's a question. Like, what is your worst beef? Like, yeah. Have you had beef in all your years of graffiti writing? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, of course I've had heaps of beef before. Like, it's impossible to paint as much as I have and not step on somebody's toes at least somewhere especially when you're painting in a small fucking town and like graffiti real hardcore graffiti writers they're staunch cunts like the majority of writers are they're desperate they're territorial they just get really protective of their shit and to me that often sounds like it often feels like they're desperate, you know, if you've got to protect your shit, then you must be desperate because, like, if someone can 
paint if someone paints over my shit, I can always do another piece. Like I've got unlimited paint. I've got anything that I want. I've got all the all the energy and the time that I want, so it doesn't really matter. But like th there have been times when people have just you know, I've done one of these detailed pieces, which is like progressive mixing, mad styles, mad details, taking hours, and then some cunts just come along and done silver silver chrome and black throwy over it, just out of his own spite, his own hate or jealousy or something. And that that's happened like loads of time by like heaps of writers. Like I couldn't even I couldn't even name all the writers that have tried that shit with me. But you know, you just have to, that's part of the game. That's just graffiti. Beef is just part of the game. And if you paint lots, you're going to have beef. It's just how shit happens and how it, it's how it goes down. So, like, whatever, you know, I can, I, I mean, there's times when I do pieces over throwies. Like, there's sort of this unspoken rule, which is throwies over tags, pieces over throwies. But... For real, when you when you get into the game, like it's sort of, you might think that there's this cute game going on of this cute competition about styles and shit, but really it's just about being a staunch cunt. If you want to be a graffiti artist, a graffiti writer, sorry, a real writer, not an artist, then you just have to be a staunch cunt. You just have to punch on with cunts and actually threaten people. Like I've had shit written on my pieces by like all sorts of threatening messages and shit. But that's never stopped me. That's just been like, whatever, you know, man. Like, you're the only person. And especially the places that I paint. Like, I don't really get out that much, especially anymore. Like, I'm painting in hidden spots, chill spots, daytime spots, where the only cunts that are ever going to see it is the fucking other cunt that goes down there to paint. Like, nobody gives a fuck in this tiny little town. So, it's a small world for some graffiti writers. But, you know, I, I just do my thing. I'm just into doing pieces. I don't really care much about starting beef. And there's all sorts of people who can start shit. But, like, I'm just going to keep doing my pieces and keep doing my style. So it doesn't really matter too much to me. Like, of course, there's been times when it's got me down. But, like, whatever, you know. When you realize you have enough paint to paint as much as you want and you've painted the places that you always dreamed of painting, then it doesn't really matter too much about some little cunt that's got a storm in a teacup. So what are, what are some of the more crazy places that you've painted? What are some of the spots that you would say were memorable? And is there anywhere that really stood out to you, or is there an experience that really stood out to you where you were painting? So, for example, a lot of graffiti artists have this thing about trains like you have to paint on trains and yeah. this is one thing that came up in my conversation with bird and he said that real writers paint trains so have you have you painted any trains have you done any of that yeah yeah there's this thing about trains and i can see the appeal like a lot of crews like those famous crews are you know, famous crews like the KGB are really big on, on trains. I've done, like, I've only done one. Well, I've done, like, the Country Link a couple of times, which I don't know if that really counts. And I've only done one passenger train in my time. So, 
that was when I was living in Sydney, and that was a station fucking run-up, and it was the shittest piece I've ever done. It was pretty red hot, and I copped a mad chase for it. Like, I ended up playing cat and mouse for fucking hours with the cops after that, so that was pretty red hot. But, I mean, the best stuff that I've done has been on the Coley's. So Coley's are a bit more chill, and they're better because they last longer. Like, like my passenger train ran all city, but it was a shit piece because I did it so fast. But, you know, I've done, I've done Coley's which have lasted for years, and they're a bit more chill, they're a bit more like... I mean, sometimes running at those things during the day when it's stopped can be pretty red hot. Like, recently I did a run-up in the day and the thing pulled out on me, so... A pull-out, a pull-away is pretty red hot, but it's still fun. But, you know, I haven't really done that many Coley's in my time. I've probably done less than... Probably less than 30 Coley's across, like, a couple of years. So, some of them, like... I've done a couple of whole cars. Probably, probably less than five whole cars, but... So that's like where you paint the whole thing out and you fill it. But yeah, I like Coley's. They're pretty pretty cool. Uh, so I was living in... So to go back to your other question about memorable... Um, memorable moments or red-hot spots. Like, I was living in Sydney for a while there. And, um, you know, I was unemployed and living the graffiti lifestyle, which was just just graffiti non-stop, so this would just be painting all night, every night, in the city, and just painting till you collapse, and I had a whole bunch of habits as well then too, so I got pretty exhausted at times, but it was just the graffiti lifestyle, and it was, it was the desperate lifestyle, like this is why I can understand cunts that are writers and why they're desperate, because I, I fucking was one of them, so... Yeah, like, painting in the city is a lot more edgy than painting in, like, a country town or a chill town. Because there's always someone around, there's always a red-hot spot, lots of people, lots more people see it. And you've got track sides, you've got trucks, you've got rooftops, you've got billboards. So, I was living in Sydney and, you know, there's, fuck, how many stories can I share? Like, there's so many stories of red-hot shit and copping chases and walking the train, like, walking the train line. Like, one common thing that I, I used to do pretty regular would be to catch the last train down the line with a suitcase full of paint and, or like, like a bag full of paint and uh, get off and then walk, walk my way back just painting pieces along the way, so... That would be from like 11 at night till 6 in the morning. And then the first train would come and I'd be halfway home anyway. And I'd catch the train home. And then the next the next afternoon go out and take flicks. Yeah, so I would do that and just get a whole bunch of little spots along the way. And like, yeah, that, like spending a night like that is highly, highly charged. It's highly... Like there's a there's a paranoia that comes with it. So are you worried about the law? Are you do you take precautions against the law for the illegal graffiti that you do? Yeah, you've always got to be you've always got to be careful. 
I mean, it's obvious from just from this conversation because you've asked to disguise your voice. And that's probably what's most striking about this conversation. So I probably should have pointed out at the start that that's something that is so different about this conversation. So why? I mean, it's obvious probably to a lot of people who are in the game, but for anyone who's listening and might not understand why you've asked me to do this with your voice, do you want to explain like why the precaution? And is it really necessary for like the graffiti that you're doing? Is there really a risk around it? Um, well, I mean, I don't know if there's really, I mean, I'm not big time. I'm just, I'm really not on the cops radar anymore. Like I, I would have been when I was living in the city because and I knew, I knew they had a profile on me because, because I got arrested, but that's like another story. But to, to say, to answer your question, the... The voice disguising probably probably isn't necessary, but it's it's not only necessary for the law; it's also necessary for other other writers and the beef shit. So, like, this is this is one way of I explain the graffiti life to people who don't understand it or haven't seen it from the inside, which is that you know your first fear is actually not the cops. Your first danger is not the cops. Like, the most dangerous thing about painting graffiti in the city is the environment. Like, you might get hit by a train. You might fall off a four-story building. You might get electrocuted by wires. The, you might get... Sh like, I had my feet shredded. I had my hands shredded by thorns, by barbed wire fences. I've fallen off shit. I've sprained ankles. I've just, like, fucked around falling on the roads and just... Just like when you're going around in these fucked up places in the dark and you've got this paranoia of trying to get away with shit, you end up just being beaten up by the environment. It's just the environment that gets you. And that's like the first thing that is the first danger. The second biggest danger for a writer is another writer. Like if you meet someone, they can fucking staunch you on, you know, you don't know how to, what to do about them. And then there might be someone who, who staunches you who isn't even a... They're not even a fucking writer. Like, there's some vigilante thinking that graffiti is wrong and they're trying to stop you from doing what you're doing. So, they like, I've been staunched by people on fucking legal walls. <laughs> like, like, I had some cunt call the cops on me while I was painting a legal wall. And he was, like, asking what street it was and I was telling him and he found and when he found out that it was a legal wall he started trying to staunch me so that's just like you know another danger and then and third on the list is probably the cops and when you're painting in the city the cops get around like late at night the only two cars that are around late at night is cop cars and fucking taxi cars so it's funny how the, the more you get into the graffiti game, the more often the cops come up. Like, you cop a chase every now and then, and it just seems to be this thing that always happens. But, yeah. So... So you mentioned you've been arrested. What's that like? Yeah. It's, it's not something I'd recommend, that's for sure. It's pretty dumb shit and I've always I've always only ever been arrested for dumb shit and it's funny that I've done some pretty 
high profile spots like train like like billboards or you know main road shop fronts and yet the things that I get arrested the things I've been arrested for for the things I get arrested for are like not they're not really profile things just circumstance happened out how many times have you been arrested oh like uh I probably shouldn't say like it's less than like I can count on one hand how many times I've been arrested and I'm not real like I'm not really that into the game anymore so I'm into I've only I've only done chill spots for a couple of years now so this this is all sort of back in my past but some writers just play that game of writing until they get arrested and then they do their time and then they get out and they've they've got nothing else so they just go back to writing which is which is how I mean I've seen how bullshit the prison system is by some of the people that I know that've been in in that system and they've done time just for graffiti for non non-violent offending and they do time and come out and they're no better off they only like the cycle doesn't fix anything it only perpetuates it only keeps it going to arrest someone so i mean i'm by no means a like i've never done time for graffiti and i got off pretty pretty good for my the arrests that i did have because i was smart enough to buy a lawyer to get a lawyer i mean most of the time you're guilty as fuck so you're going to have to do something to twist around and in my experience the law is something that's fluid it's like can be changed and it's just more evidence of how bullshit the whole system is so yeah i wouldn't I've, i wouldn't recommend getting arrested you probably want to avoid that for as long as you can and if you want to be in the game for as long as you can then you really got to avoid being arrested you mentioned before that you were unemployed when you were living in the city so what do you normally do for buying paint and a living do you have a job now and do you want to maybe share what that is i know you're probably reluctant to share what that is um yeah nah yeah i should probably i probably shouldn't say where i work now and I haven't always had a job. And uh, I found that, like, being able to live both with just the graffiti life and being desperate and living with a job, I found just for me that it's, um, it's easier to just have a job and paint on the side, especially when I'm just doing chill spots. Like, the graffiti lifestyle... It can be something that just sucks you in and it consumes all of you because it's so powerful and adrenaline pumping. Like it's a it's an endless source of adrenaline. Like it's a like to go out and paint trackside all night, you can be getting the rush like five or six times a night. You get this huge rush five or six times a night, you know? And there's also a buzz that goes along with that that continues into the day. Like, you have the, the thrill of doing the piece. You have the thrill of crossing boundaries, jumping fences, and being in that place. 
and then you might cop a chase, which is another thrill, and then the next day you wake up and you have the the excitement of having pulled it off, and you see all the colours burst into the sun, and then there's, you know, hundreds of people going past that piece on the train, and it's just like, it just, it just snowballs, and if you're doing that every night, it just, it just snowballs, it snowballs, it gets more and more and more, and you, you, you end up chasing this feeling, this powerful rush, and it's really hard to describe to someone what it's like to really be down in an, a different environment. Like you're crossing the boundaries of society, you're trespassing on society, you're really giving a big fuck you to the culture, and you're really being some sort of, uh, like, it's anarchism, I guess is the word for it. And being able to live that and have the feeling on a regular basis, writers or graffiti artists really feel like they found something different. Like, that's why graffiti means so much to me, is because it was, it's like I'd, I'd been actually able to avoid that generic lifestyle of just getting a job and paying bills. And, and the ability to do that the, the living of that lifestyle was so exciting. It was so much, there was magic to it. There was uh, like a regular sense of feeling alive through excitement and emotion and just hardcore emotions. Sounds like you're talking about a drug, man. <laughs> Did you ever do drugs or are you into drugs? Or was that ever part of this lifestyle for you? Yeah, well... You mentioned uh, before that you had some some dark habits. Is that what you were alluding to? Um, it's... Yeah, I mean, graffiti definitely is a drug. But, uh, nah... Nah, I mean, at that time, I wasn't... I've never really been into drugs because... I sort of felt like graffiti was enough crazy shit for me to be, like, to have, to satisfy that thrill. Like, drugs is just another form of thrill-seeking, and a lot of, a lot of writers are on drugs, and they would, I mean, half the time they do this crazy shit because they're on fucking ice, you know, they'd smoke a fucking ice pipe and then do a hundred fillings, all city in one night sort of shit. You know, like, that's just crazy shit. And they do the most red-hot spots, the most crazy shit spots, like under lights, behind barbed wire fences with traffic going past that shit. So the graffiti life and the drugs do go hand-in-hand. Hand. And a lot of a lot of writers... I mean, I don't, I don't really know that many hardcore writers personally, so I can only go by the rumours that I hear. But I can imagine that a lot of writers deal drugs in order to support their graffiti habit. So, but I, I was never into that. I never found that. I mean, when I was saying before about bad habits, I just meant like diet and shit and like not sleeping and drinking too much coffee and smoking ciggies and pretty tame shit compared to some graffiti writers. Like, because I felt that graffiti was enough of a drug. I felt like I'd already got enough of a thrill from it. And... It's definitely highly addictive. It's a definitely a highly uh, some some sort of 
crazy lifestyle and it sucks you in. It gets you all the way in. So when you've, but like, yeah, I mean, I got, I got into it when I was living into the city and I had my chance to live that lifestyle for a while. And once, once you get deep enough into it, it sort of does become tiring. You sort of think, man, it would be easy just to have a fucking job sometimes. Because it is a hard slog. You're always scraping for shit. You're always paranoid about the cops. Like, I had the cops knock on my door, which is how I knew they had a profile on me. That was after I got arrested. So, I mean, I couldn't... And, like, other, other writers have had their door kicked in from, like, posting on social media and shit. So, there's definitely a, a paranoia that comes with it, which... There's a, there's a fine line between paranoia and a thrill. So, yeah, I think as writers, or as I got older, I mean, I can't speak for other people, but as I got older, there was this switch that happened where the paranoia changed to something that I didn't want to have so much of anymore, and that's when I started painting chill spots, and I just, I just did the legal walls. I mean, the majority of, like, I don't want to stand up here and say, like, I'm a real staunch writer, like, I'm not... I'm really not, like, a high-class bomber. Like, compared to a real bomber, like, Isky, or Reddy, or Scribble, or, uh, Grime, or these sort of Sydney writers that go hard with throwies and pieces. I mean, Isky, especially, because he was the, like, he was considered by many to be the king, because he didn't just do all-city throwies and bombing, but he'd actually do pieces and do different styles of pieces so I mean there's there's young up-and-comers that are just as hard on the bombing as Isky but Isky has probably been in it longer than anyone and as hard as anyone with as many styles as anyone so he really crosses this line between piecing and bombing so for that for that reason I think a lot of people say that Isky is king I can see that but yeah, I don't know. I mean, as I get older, I just, I'm happy just doing chill spots. And a lot of the guys I write with at my local now, uh, they're older guys and they've got families and shit. And they've, they've had their time living the graffiti lifestyle as well. Like, they've done all that shit as well. So when you, when you go through it, you don't really have anything to prove and you just chill. So, that's what I'm into now. So, yeah. Hope that answers the question. Can't even remember what the what the question was. Yeah, that's all really interesting stuff because I've been working on a lot of things which are to do with changing how I feel about certain things. And I've noticed since studying developmental psychology and really looking into that myself, I've noticed what it's like to change how you feel about a feeling as abstract as that sounds. So certain feelings you only want a certain amount of at a certain time in life and you can grow out of feelings. And that sounds like what you're talking about, which is having a feeling and interpreting it in different ways as you get older and as you have different amounts of that feeling. Yeah, I've actually uh I've actually listened to some of your podcasts. Oh, really? I didn't know anyone was watching. <laughs> I didn't know anyone was listening. Uh, there's some pretty interesting stuff on there. It's um. Which ones did you listen to? Most of it I don't think I really understand, but 
Um, I listened to, I listened to the time travel one and one of the psychology ones. I can't remember which one it was, but yeah, I don't know. I reckon you're a bit of a smart cunt, aren't you? So <laughs> I don't know if I really understand yeah. it. So. Well, some people say that, some people don't. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I sort of do listen to some talking shit on the internet sometimes. So, yeah, I don't know. I might I might check some more of it out. Check more of it out. Is there anything that we haven't covered? Is there anything you want to share? Any other stories? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Seems like we've covered a lot. Seems like we've got through it. Hopefully we haven't started any beef. I don't know if anyone's gonna... I don't think many people will hear this now anyway, so... Yeah, I don't have much of a much of an audience. So the question is, where does where do you like where are you heading? What's the future of Delm graffiti or Mel's graffiti? Like, what do you see yourself moving into? Because you've obviously developed a lot of different styles and painted a lot of spots and had your time at, as as living the graffiti lifestyle, as you call it. So where where do you see yourself? doing stuff over the next couple of years? Well, I don't know, man. Like, life shit, it's just... I mean, I don't mean to get all sentimental and shit, but, like, I mean, there's a couple of things I'm pretty sure of, and, like, one of them is what I said before about being a highly obsessive personality and not being interested in things for too long and always changing shit. Like, I'm always changing what I'm doing. I'm always trying to, like, choose where to to put my energy. Like, I'm following my impulse to be just really into something. So, I don't know, like, where I'm headed. I mean, well, let me be honest. It's like... I know I'm headed towards some sort of change. Like, there's there's a big change coming. There's some sort of shift which is happening. And this one is a little bit different to all the other shifts that I've had before because it, at each point in my life I've seen certain changes happen, but I haven't noticed them happening until after the fact. Like, it's been hasn't been until I've looked back and thought about it like whoa that was a big that was a big shift for me but now I know that shifts are coming so I can see that something is coming and I I don't know if that's beyond graffiti if that's outside of the graffiti world then then so be it then I'm open to that I'm not really worried about that but you know one thing that I mean it's totally sure to me that graffiti has been an incredible experience. Like, the amount of places I've been and the feelings I've had and the sort of things that I've done have brought so much crazy excitement to my life because of graffiti. And it's like style, it's places, it's different experiences, it's the thrill... And it's the creativity, it's the originality, it's the improvisation sort of aspect to it. So, 
yeah, I don't know if that really, I mean, who knows the future, who knows what's coming, so yeah. Is there anyone you want to give a shout out to, or is there anyone you haven't mentioned? Yeah. Anyone we haven't talked about? Yeah, man, I should, I should, uh, I should probably shout out the crew, which is, uh, DSG, so I write Delm DSG, and that's the crew name. Oh yeah, the crew. So you've got a crew name, what does that stand for? Um... I mean, the crew name, I mean, all crews, all crew names are pretty cheesy when you look at them. Like, originally, DSG was meant to be drugs, sex, graph. But I sort of, I sort of got the invite for that and came up with a bunch of different ones, like Dirty Sexy Girls, Don't Start Groaning, DSG. Apparently, DSG was actually, like, one of the buff squads in Melbourne back in the day or something. So... Pretty weird to be calling your graffiti name after a buff squad, but I got the invite from iCube, and there's also Jens and Hoes who write, in, although they're retired now as well, so it's really just, um, it's just iCube and me, so, and he writes LSK, so that's a, mu- that's a much more established crew, so that would probably be his main crew, and he's got, LSK has some heavy writers in it, like real hardcore like, um, Elude and Raz and Diner and all those cunts. Like, they're real writers. They are actual writers, much more so than me. So, IQ writes with them, so that would probably be his main crew. But, you know, me and him have DSG together. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't take it too seriously. It's just something like having a crew name is good because you get sick of the same name over and over. Like, I've had, I've done so many pieces. That's why I change my name all the time. It's just like it. I just get sick of writing the same letters and I want to try something new. So it's freshening up the shapes to get a new name. This is why I'm always changing my name. I think I've changed my name more than most, but... Um, yeah, like, crew... Crew is crew. Like, what can I say about crew? It goes... I like to think it goes beyond graffiti. Like, this is this is your mates that you paint with. This is what you, what you do to just hang out. It's like the social aspect and... We've got hairy stories of getting in funny, funny situations painting together. Like, iCube is the only, he's pretty much the only guy that I write with who's like a young gun. Um, all the other, all the local writers are sort of older and more, more chill. But iCube is a real young gun and he's, he's had a big influence on me because he's one of these writers who does a different style for seemingly like every single piece. Like, some writers have one outline for every single piece, even if they change the letters. Like, they can they can write a different word and it looks exactly the same. And then other writers have, like, their own style, which is different each piece, and it's like a variation on their central style. And then some writers have, like, a couple of styles. You might have, like, four or five different styles which you cycle through. And that's, that's sort of like what I have. I have about you know, five or six different ideas which I keep recycling and doing variations on, but fucking iCube, he somehow manages to do, like, a different idea for every piece. Like, he has a different concept every time. And they're so far different. Like, this, like, it's all about process. He has a different process for each one. And they all look so different. So, shout out to iCube, because he's really just, uh... I mean, I guess I'm biased because he's my painting buddy, but he's had a big influence on me because I've actually even copied his styles and painting with him, I've learnt 
the processes by watching what he does, you know, which the order in which you do things. Like one way to change your style is to change the order in which you do each part of the piece. So, yeah. Yeah, you'll have to um, you'll have to show me some of his stuff. You'll have to um, send me his Instagram because that sounds really interesting. If there's anyone else I've forgotten? Sorry if I've forgotten you. Whatever. It's too many to name anyway. Yeah. Okay, well, I think that covers everything. And, uh, Delm. Yeah, man. Or Mel's. Whichever one it is. Thank you so much for speaking with me. Yeah, no worries. Thank you so much for sharing your ideas, sharing your processes, your thoughts, your experiences. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Yeah, this is some good shit. And, uh, I'll look forward to hearing how you mix this. Thanks very much for tuning in. Special thanks to Delm, my guest for today. This is the Andrew Lake Podcast. We'll be back soon with more.